Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Paul said that love never fails, but prophecy may fail. It's in that great love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. Paul said, we see in part, we prophesy in part. We look through a glass darkly, but then face to face, we will know him. We will see him. And when we see his face, the prophecies and words of knowledge and wisdom, they're no longer needed. We will know as we are known. But that phrase, when prophecy fails, became the title of one of the early studies in the phenomena of failed prophecies. The focus was on a UFO religious group in Chicago called the Seekers. A woman named Dorothy Martin believed that an alien named Clarion was sending her messages saying that a town would be destroyed by a flood on a certain date. But it didn't happen. Those studying the event noticed something. People doubled down on their false belief. We've all seen enough failed prophecy to somewhat grow jaded and to make us immune to it. The 2012 Mayan calendar collapse, the 2011 prophecy from Harold Camping on the end of the world. In the single digits of that opening decade of the new millennium, we heard one false prophecy after another. The Y2K, Heaven's Gate in 1997, you get the picture. One failed prophecy after another. It can get so bad that people stop believing in any prophecy. Is it any wonder that Paul would write, despise not prophesyings? Because modern day prophecy comes freighted with presumption. So much of what people say will come to pass is that the desire to come to pass is so strong or the fear will come to pass. It's rooted in self-will, not divine will. If the ratio of true to false is the same as Ahab's false prophets versus Micaiah, then it's something like 400 to 1. We hear more false than true, and we can get cynical. But because there's an abundance of false prophecy does not mean that there isn't true prophecy. It's an issue, though. The number of false prophecies that are out there, a group of men and women who seem to make predictions ad nauseum, they don't come to pass and there's zero accountability. They just move forward, offering more false prophecies in the future. And their followers lurch along behind them, waiting for the next prophetic word that may or may not fail. It creates what sociologists call cognitive dissonance, mentally holding two contrary opinions. Rather than simply admit I was wrong, previous failed prophecies either get ignored or somehow enfolded into a tapestry of a wider prophecy. Yet that's not what I've been thinking about lately. False prophecies and false prophets have been with us a while. They are a sign of the last days. Jesus warned us of that, that many false prophets shall arise. Paul said the Spirit speaks expressly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith, follow deceptive spirits. The chief apostle said we have a more sure word of prophecy. True followers of Jesus Christ will get lost in his character his ways, and his words. All of this week, I want to be talking about hope for troubled times. And today's theme, when prophecies fail. 
This has been on my heart for a while, something that puzzles me and I've prayed much about. Why wasn't I warned? Have you ever gone through something tumultuous in your life, some earth-shattering event, and you wonder, why couldn't God have warned me? Why couldn't someone with the gift of prophecy have foretold this? I'd have been ready then. I'm not talking about false prophecy. I'm talking about the very act of prophesying itself. Why weren't we warned? Why did prophecy fail us in this instance? After all, in Amos 3, we read that surely the Lord God will do nothing without revealing it to his servants, the prophets. Amos goes on to ask, the Lord has spoken who will not prophesy. Yet that's my unspoken question. Why weren't we warned? I've taken that question to God in prayer, not once, but many times. God, why weren't we warned? Your word says you speak, you warn the prophets, and the prophets warn believers. The Spirit speaks expressly, clearly in the last days. We need something to cut through the chatter and the craziness of our age. Appealing sound like a bell, like a trumpet. Why wasn't I warned? I've gone through several hypothetical answers to that question. Follow my reasoning on this. Consider the ramifications of each scenario. Here's the first possibility. God spoke, but no one heard him. That's always a possibility that the Spirit of God is speaking and saying things that are coming, but people are too busy, too preoccupied to hear them. That could happen. We live in unusual days. Yet we've long since watched a phenomena develop that God speaks to his people and we see patterns emerge in what God is telling leaders across this world. They're all listening to the same voice. I can't believe that God was speaking and none of us heard his voice. I know way too many people that earnestly seek his face for that to be the case. That is a possibility, but not a probability. Okay, one possibility, God spoke, no one heard him. Here's the second possibility. God spoke, people heard him, but they remained silent. And that too is possible. They are like the unfaithful watchmen. They saw the threat coming. They didn't raise the trumpets to their lips. Could it happen? Yes, it could happen. Jeremiah wrote of a time when God spoke to him and he said, I'm not going to say anything about it, but it was like a fire shut up in his bones. I know some courageous people who would step forward in uncertain times and say, thus saith the word of the Lord. It is possible that the prophets were muzzled. Maybe they thought no one would hear Maybe they thought people only wanted to hear good news and nothing bad, so they remained silent. I just find that hard to reconcile with the character of people I know who truly possess this gift. So God spoke, no one heard, that is one possibility. God spoke, people heard, but they said nothing, that is another possibility. But here's the third. God spoke, prophets heard, prophets spoke, but we didn't listen to them. That bears a stronger witness in my spirit. Down through years, this has been the case. Old Testament, New Testament, modern times. It's why we read again and again, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I would find this view to be more plausible than the previous two, that God indeed spoke, that prophets listened and proclaimed, but we didn't listen. I'm trying to answer the question, why aren't we warned? Why weren't we warned before we went through a trial that it was coming? 
Every one of the above scenarios that I've gone through begins with God speaking. God spoke, no one heard. God spoke, the prophets heard but didn't speak. God spoke, the prophets heard and spoke, but nobody listened. But what if, what if God was simply silent on this? What if the reason you and I were not warned about something that happened to us, something so cataclysmic, something so traumatic, is that God chose not to warn us? Is there a Bible for that? There actually is. Do you remember the story of the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings 4? She was such a devout person. She watched out for Elisha. She prepared a room for he and his servant Gehazi. God gave her a child, but a few years later, the child had a stroke. She laid him in the prophet's chamber and went looking for the prophet. She found him on Mount Carmel, and she threw herself at Elisha's feet. Gehazi tried to push her away, but the man of God told him to stop. He said, this woman is deeply troubled, but the Lord has hidden it from me. The Lord has not told me. Stop and think about that. This woman was honored with a miracle. That God-given miracle died. Elisha had prophesied she would have a child. She experienced that miracle, but Elisha didn't know the miracle had died. He said, God hid it from me. God didn't tell me. God didn't warn me. And that's what's been going over and over in my spirit the past few weeks and months. That maybe God saw what you and I were facing. Of course he did. He's omniscient. He knows the end from the beginning. But maybe the issue here is not a failed prophecy. It's that God himself in his great love and consistent character chose to be silent about it. He chose to hide it from us. This hiding aspect of God is seen not once, but many times in Scripture. Countless are the times that you will read God hid himself. Isaiah said in chapter 45, truly you are the God who hides himself. God hides. He didn't reveal his plans to Elisha. He didn't share what he was doing. When Job asked God to explain himself, would you please tell me, God, why I've gone through what I'm going through? God, tell me, why did I lose my kids, my wealth, my health? God, why didn't you warn me? God, why? But rather than answer Job, God turns around and asks Job something like 77 questions. Questions such as, where were you when I founded the earth? Answer me if you can. It's in a moment like this that we are forced to face that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His way is in the sea, his footsteps unknown. We read that there is a dark cloud surrounding his throne, sometimes, many times, oftentimes. What God is doing is unseen, inscrutable. We just don't grasp it. He hides himself from us. But when we can't track him, we can trust him. We may not know the way he takes, but he knows the way we take. We have a sure hope in this day. The writer of Hebrews said in chapter 6, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and reliable and one that enters into the veil, that Jesus has gone before us. He has walked beyond that veil. He has pre-inspected everything we face, and he's become a high priest forever to us. That veil between earth and heaven, that veil between what we are doing and what God is doing is a veil of mystery. 
Sometimes we can't see what God is up to. When there's no word beyond the veil, when no clear indication is given of what is happening, then we trust him, that we know he's at work beyond the veil of our understanding. He's interceding for us. He's making a way for us. He's working all things together for good. And that is the hope that acts as an anchor of the soul. One translation says this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It will lead us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. God has hidden himself for a season, hidden what he's doing from us. Why weren't we warned? Because God chose not to warn us. Because God wants something to be revealed in us. He wants us refined, purified, strengthened, as gold tried in the fire. He wants us ready for what he has ready for us. So we trust him. We hold to hope's anchor and say, Lord, you didn't warn me about this, or if you did warn me, I wasn't listening. But Lord, I want you to know this. I still believe in you. I still trust in you. I'm still clinging to my hope for these troubled times. And I'm looking to you. You are my help, my hope, and my strength. And I believe in your own time and in your own way, you're going to bring me through this situation. Here on this daily devotion today, God is speaking to someone right now. He didn't warn you, but he's there with you in the midst of your trial. And he's going to see you through because he said he would never leave you and never forsake you. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.